Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, we have Blair Frazier and Steve Doby. They are the new hosts of Rob's Reliability Project podcast. So definitely this is a good one. We talk about where they're going to take the podcast. We talk about what I've taken away over this last two and a half years. And we give a little intro on each of the guys and where they come from and what they like to talk about. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform. And then also subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform. I don't believe we're available on Apple yet, but that podcast will start be starting to come out in either a couple of weeks or a month or so. So definitely check that one out. That's going to be my next podcast with my leadership coach, Susan Hobson. If you want any maintenance and reliability support from me from a consulting perspective, you can send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com or you can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm offering basically three things right now. I'm offering one-on-one or some sort of group coaching over video platform. I'm offering a benchmarking exercise which focuses not only on just maintenance and reliability fundamentals but also on the leadership and people aspect of reliability and I'm offering maintenance and reliability leadership coaching. So if, if any of that interests you, you can send me an email to Project at gmail.com. You can send me a message on LinkedIn, or you can go to robsreliability.com and fill out a contact us page, and, and you'll be in contact with me. And the last thing I want to say is thank you. You know, you've been following me over the last two and a half years, I'm definitely going to be continuing to bring you some great content. As I know I've talked about it a lot recently on the show, but I think one of the biggest gaps in the maintenance and reliability industry is leadership. I think that's what we miss in terms of getting buy-in from people, in terms of changing culture, in terms of getting the results we truly deserve. Like we talked about it on this episode, but RCM has been around for 50 years and yet we still don't get the results we deserve. So there's a gap there and we're trying to fill that gap with the Leadership Launchpad Project. The last thing I want to say to you is, yeah, I have a few other things in the pipe for you and definitely follow me on LinkedIn because then you'll be notified of those new things. I'll definitely be letting you guys know of anything that comes out from me on that newsletter. So definitely subscribe to the newsletter, robsreliability.com, and just hit the newsletter tab and sign up. You'll, you'll be notified of all the new things that I'm putting out, and I would love to have you. So thanks for listening, and here's the podcast with Stephen Blair. Alrighty, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and as you guys know, we're handing over the show this week, and so we have two special guests, well, new, the two special hosts 
of the Rob's Reliability Project. We have Blair Frazier and Steve Doby. Guys, how are you? Hey, Rob. I'm doing, hey, I'm doing great. A little nervous after that uh, that intro, but doing good. <laughs> oh, it's it's great to have you. And Steve, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing great. Thanks, Rob, for having us and uh, you know letting us say, take it over. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, like both of you have been on the show a bunch. Steve, you were on deleted episode number one. And actually, Blair, I think you were on episode number two. We were in it was number two. And let's let's fill the audience in and where we recorded that, Rob. Yeah, that's right. So we were and actually Steve was on that one too, but he, he never said anything. He made a, he made a special <laughs> appearance. And so yeah, so we were at the SMRP conference, uh, well, the consortium, so the small conference, and we were in the big pyramid, the outdoor bass pro world. The world's Memphis. biggest bass pro shop that's in a giant pyramid. You can't you can't make that up, right? <laughs> it was a great venue. <laughs> right, it used to be it used to be a basketball yep. court or something, I think. So yeah, it's hard to play basketball in a giant pyramid. So what, what else are you going to do? You're going to play basketball or you're going to make the world's biggest bass pro shop? That's right. You know, when you think about staying at a hotel, most people wake up, you stretch, you go on your balcony, right? This is, you go up, you go to your balcony, you're looking at fishing gear and hunting gear, right? It was probably the most American place I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's right. But I remember, yeah, we, we, we did that interview. We were talking about, uh, obviously with me, it was AI, machine learning, IoT yep. stuff. We started filming or sorry, I should say recording. And uh, we we're doing it next to this bar. And then all of a sudden the bartender's prepping for his or her night. I can't remember. And then starts turning on the ice maker and the grinders and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I remember you telling me like, yeah, I got like four listeners anyways. Right. <laughs> and then now look at this, what has this turned into? Right. And how many years ago was that? It was, yeah, it was around two and a half years ago. And yeah, like we, the other day, I think we're, I don't know if we just passed it or we're just about to get to it, but we're around 42,000 downloads over lifetime. So isn't that amazing? And I, and yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed the the growth that you had. And, and I think that's why it's a privilege to, to be able to, you know, I don't want to say take over because, you know, you really set the framework. It's a, it's a playbook, if you will. And, uh, you know, Steve and I are going to do the, to do our best to maintain what you've built. <laughs> Maybe put our own spin on it too, for, for that sake, right? But um, you know, I underestimate the growth, and I think that what has that has taught me is is people are hungry for for not just education because you can get education in a lot of different places, but it's really I think that grounded real life conversations, right? That's really bringing what the value that that people saw with this, right? And and you've been able to build this uh, this medium, if you will, with this podcast that gets education out, but it's really it's not centric to, to any specific product or thing or practice right and i think that's the value that that this podcast brought and that's why you're going to get fifty thousand cumulative downloads right yeah and i think like that's something that i've tried to to always think about is and for me like i've always thought of it more as just more than just reliability like even early i had one of my friends he's a naturopathic doctor I like remember. liam you know him and so dr and, liam yeah. And he was on the show and we talked about, you know, eating on the road. And we talked, I've had him on a few times. We talked about alcohol consumption, sleeping, exercise. And like, we've gone into leadership recently. We've talked about mental health. We've talked, and I really find like some of this content, it's like, like obviously core maintenance and reliability, like is important, but I think like, I've always thought of it more as like, we as a community want to improve and like, 
as I've grown, this is where I've wanted to take it. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we look at it, you know, the famous, you know, quote, I guess is, you know, Nolan heaps with RCM was the late seventies, right. Or maybe <laughs> it was a long freaking time ago. Right? And, and, and so the, we've known the theory forever. We can sit here and, and, you know, that, that's what I'm kind of challenging. And, and I think it's a good thing about conferences going virtual is because you go there and what 80% is from someone that's never been in the plant or hasn't been in the plant in a long time. And I, I can be, I can be in that bucket too. And saying, you know, this is what you should do. Right. But when you start to have vendors, you start to have real life practitioners on a forum like this, then you, you, you get that mix of real life, right? Of what that's, you know, obviously, yeah, we can read these books and say, we should be doing 80% plan maintenance. And this is, that's great, right? But how do you get to it? What's stopping you? And that's, I think that's what the listeners like to hear, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think for me, you know, looking at uh, um, going forward with this, uh, I'm pretty excited to you know, my troubles in maintenance have always been getting things over the line. Like there's a million great ideas out there. There's a million great products out there to um, fix all your problems. Um, but the, the trouble is always getting it across that line. And I always have people asking me, well, how do I do that? Right. Um, and every situation is completely different. So like, I know one of the guests I already have lined up, he's, uh, he's going to be focusing. That's his whole job is getting maintenance initiatives over the line. Um, so, we'll, so we'll have a good chat with him yeah. and, uh, hear about how he's been able to do that. And I, I definitely want to get more of those frontline people that are deploying these solutions out there and, um, as well as talking to the solution providers. Right. But that's like, great. let's, let's think, understand how to get it over. Yeah. And I think that's exactly it here, how they did it. And, and, you know, what I enjoy hearing the most, well, almost the most is what they learned from it or how they failed. Right. Because sometimes it's it's better to tell you what didn't work than what did work. It's not that everything will work the same for every type of industry, the same person. But I can tell you what didn't work. Right. I think that's great. And I'm just curious, Steve, over the line. That is brilliant. Have you are you going to brand that? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I've been saying that for a long time. Scoring touchdowns. Scoring touchdowns. I love that over the line. I think that's brilliant. There you go. There, there's my trademark phrase. Yes. Ask everybody, how do they push this over the line? I like it because that's what everyone's asking. Right. And you're right. Because I'm on the technology side and you know, I, I am a vendor now um, I used to be an asset owner back in my early days. Right. And, and it's true, right. Is, is, you know, even the best of technology at the best price, isn't going to get you over the line. Right. Um, even my background in, in AI and machine learning and stuff like that, still not going to get you over the line, right? Better technology might get closer to that line, but it's not going to get you over it. <laughs> you know, and I think that's why we're going to be a, a great team, Blair, because like you've got that technology side, you're you're that side, and then I'm the I'm the guy getting it over the line, right? I'm yeah. um, I'm the end user, I'm the asset owner, trying to get this equipment, make it a little less shitty. Yeah, maybe a little better. Maybe we'll. <laughs> That's right. Put a positive spin on it. That's right. Yeah. So I think what you're saying, if you're going to, we do that football analogy, you're going to get across the line. I'm going to do the the pass to you, if you will. You've got to take it past, right? you got to go into the end zone. There we go. Sports references all around. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. We're no longer Rob's Reliability Project. This is the, the over the line show. One on one. We're it over the line. I mean, that's, you know, like over the hundred and something episodes, right? Like a lot of, like, I usually ask a question along the lines of like, what do you see an industry 
and what's the biggest problem or like that type of question. And like so many of the answers have been basically that same thing is like, we have this specific like project, whether it's RCM or RCA or predictive maintenance or AI or whatever that, that solution is, but implementation is always a gap. The culture change is always a gap. And basically for me, this is why I'm kind of moving to the leadership side is like, for me, it boils down to leadership. And I think like, this is something that we see just pervasive across all industry, like regardless, manufacturing, mining, oil and gas, like it doesn't really matter. It's, it's that specific item there is as long as we still have people operating, maintaining, making decisions, that's the piece that's really holding us back. Because like Blair, you said it, right? It was like 1968 or something, if I remember right, RCM was published. We're in 2020 right now, and yet we're still not seeing reliability success. Exactly, exactly right. Because it's, it's, it's and, and so here's the thing, what is, what is reliability? And, and to me, it's an outcome. Yep. It's an outcome, right? Um, can't be bought, can't be sold, right? And, and you know, I was a consultant at one point. I'm a technology guy. I'm going to tell you if you put this in, right? Blah, 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 right? <laughs> but the reality is it can't be bought. It can't be sold, right? Um, parts of it can help you, can be an enabler, but you need, you need people. Even from, you know, and, and I've been very vocal about this on the AI ML space or IoT is, is still not there to replace humans. Will we get there? Uh, sure, right? Will we have autonomous plants? Sure, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, everything needs to get maintained, even robots that are doing our job, right? But someone's still got to program those robots and things like that, right? So we're a long ways, long ways away from that. Yeah, and like just like bringing up autonomous stuff, like Steve, like you run some autonomous trucks. Like, do you want to just talk a little bit about like what's the human interaction with those trucks? Well, it's, you know, for... For anything autonomous, like one of the biggest risks in any industry is the safety risks and having people around the equipment. So anytime you can make something something autonomous, great. You're taking that risk away because people aren't there. But like you said, those trucks still need to be maintained. And what we're seeing is failure modes are showing up differently. Like the the problems you had with a non a manual drive truck, we fix a you fix a lot of accident damage. Well, that's accident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the the accident damage just isn't quite there anymore it's uh it's okay well what's the effect on the tires all of a sudden those tires don't stop moving uh the trucks just you know slow down a little bit if there's a a delay or something they don't stop and so there's no cool down time so how does that how does that play into the total maintenance strategy and looking at it and you know you'll see that everywhere and we're just getting into it now and just understanding that and uh so it's yeah no there's lots of cool stuff out there and Failure modes can change over time. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> the failure mode, which uh, rears its head, cha- may change yeah. over time. <laughs> I remember my, my first experience with a FMEA when I was getting trained to do it. And I was in this workshop and um, because I, I, I was, you know, for a very prominent vendor at that time and saying, hey, with your pieces of equipment, can you give us an FMEA template? I said, I, I mean, I can, I can give you a general one. But I don't know where you're going to install this thing. If you install this pump on a roof outside in northern Canada, it's a lot different than putting it in a climate-controlled room in 
in San Francisco, right? The failure modes are different. And, and so we, we, that's what we did. We worked on this uh, motor and pump combination and we all from different world areas. And the one person's um, highest failure mode was someone stealing the motor or the <laughs> copper. Literally, that was his problem. These remote fields in a- They're from Detroit, a- Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> right? So- We just lost all the Detroit kid. listeners now, Rob. <laughs> That's right. And actually, I, I grew up just outside of Detroit. So uh, on the Canadian side, but uh, so I um, won't say much about the Lions. But um, yeah, so isn't that interesting? Their failure mode was people stealing stuff, right? They would turn off the, the disconnect and take the motor, right? So what was his control measure? Build a fence with barbed wire. Right. I recommended a big German shepherd, but you know, that, that was a more humane thing to do. Right. So isn't that interesting? How'd yeah. you get it over the line? <laughs> <laughs> that was his problem. As a problem. Right. So, yeah, that's actually, so that was a question that came into the upkeep uh, Slack community was something similar about like, how does maintenance differ around the world? And mm-hmm. like, for me, like my, my, like, obviously for me, like the fundamentals of maintenance don't change, right? Like a pump is a pump. And basically like, I mean, stealing maybe is, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if I would consider that a failure mode, but, but like whatever, right? But like basically a pump fails and in like this set number of ways and like the operating conditions and the environment change, the skills of the people that are maintaining or operating the equipment change like those are things, but like basically like how to determine what you should do, like RCM shouldn't change. Like the fundamental seven questions of RCM, it's the same. And like people have asked me like hundreds of times on LinkedIn, like does RCM apply to petrochemical or does it apply to this or that? And it's like, it applies to every asset that you own. Yeah. Like it could be a coffee cup. It can be an airplane. It can be anything. And it's like just simple stuff like that is, is like yeah, exactly. where we need to go. Now, what's your, what's your thought on, cause you know, if, if most of the listeners like us grew up in, in this space and we've seen, we've seen a change in, in even terminology and I don't want to get in the weeds, but you know, we've, we've said, you know, uh, RCM, predictive maintenance. Now, or, or the reliability was kind of the buzzword. Now, I see a lot of people shift to asset management, right? As yeah. the new new buzzwords. To me, the, it, there is a difference because asset management is really cradle to grave, but the strategy shouldn't change. Have you seen people start to talk more about asset management than reliability, or is reliability still? So yeah. So for me, like my day job ha- is in asset management. And so like I work in asset management right now and like they do have a reliability program. They don't necessarily understand the differences. Like the reliability program is very focused on maintenance and it's very focused on the operating expense budget where asset management is very focused on like purchasing capital expenses, life life cycle strategy, but not including maintenance. So that's, that's how it's played out in the working world. Now, for me specifically, I've always come, like I was an economist for a while and I've always thought of the maintenance world in this way where it is all about life cycle and it's all about the life cycle cost and value of the asset. And so like, I've always thought that reliability in some people's eyes is too granular where yep. they should have a bigger view of like, 
What are you buying? How are you installing it? Like, when should you replace it? When should you like strategically do maintenance? When should you wind it down? Like all these types of things that people consider asset management, but I think is like, to be honest, it's, it's all the same stuff. Like you want to get right. the most value out of your thing. And, like right. that's, and, and I think where, where that ISO 55001 standard really comes in is what defines what is an asset, anything with realized or perceived value, right? Yeah. So go back to your comment of what can you do RCM on? Well, any asset, anything that has realized or perceived value, right? Because here we are in this world where data is taking over. Is data an asset, right? Yes. Could you yeah, make, could yeah, you, you have a strategy on data, right? Yeah, and like you know, looking at looking at any of your assets, whether it's data, people, uh, trucks, it, it doesn't matter. Like ultimately, there's two things you want to get out of it. It's what's your total cost of ownership, how much does it take to maintain it, cradle to grave, and then how much value did it produce for you? Like those yep. are the questions we're trying to answer. And any reliability engineer, we're trying to reduce that total cost of ownership. Generally, we're on the maintenance side, and then you know, with your upticks and availability and whatnot, you're, you're increasing your output of that asset. So like, that's really the fundamentals. Um, and you know, you've, it, I find it, it's pretty simple. You know, you identify your problem, come up with some solutions, start deploying those solutions and then get it over the line and sustaining it. Like th those are the phases you go through. And if you can do that, it's. I think, and, and <laughs> I think you nailed it there, Steve was, over the line and sustainment, that's something I do not do well, even internally, I have to admit this, is, is you know, as we were talking before with this, this, we started recording and, and, you know, talking about ideas are really somewhat easy, but it's really implementation is hard, but sustaining that drive is, is even harder, right? And any kind of culture change, to, like, it's easier to get hyped for this, hey, we lost this new thing, this is awesome, this is awesome, all right. 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 And to get that sustainment. So I'd be interested to learn from you, Steve, about, you know, because you're on that other side of the line there of how you, how you sustain things. Right. I think that's Constant challenge. Yeah. <laughs> My God. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting because like everybody's getting into the agile approach for everything. And right. then, you know, the big question that I always have is like, you know, agile, you're, you're working in sprints and uh, the, you know, I know Agile has things built in for sustainment and working on that. But at the end of the day, you keep talking in sprints and you don't think about the marathon of keeping these things going and keeping these projects yeah. implemented and sustaining. Yeah. Five-year penalty, repeat first down, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to go back. Oh, man, flag on the yeah. play. We're really fooling people that into thinking I'm a big sports fan here. <laughs> That's right. And we're using Canadian football rules, right? That's right. And the fourth down, yeah. yeah. There's saying, a fourth down. Yeah. Well, I'm saying sports fans probably just let everybody know where I stand there. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I'd be curious, Rob, um, you know, and, and I, both Steve and I really appreciate the opportunity to, to keep the momentum going on this. Um, you know, what, what, if, if you, I don't know if you can, but what, what, or how would you sum up the last two and a half years of doing this? Like if you could go back in time, would you still do it? Cause you put, I, I, I don't want to break down the fourth wall here, but how many hours you put into this, right? Oh, wow. um, <laughs> at least two hours 
over two years, right? At least two hours. At least two hours. Right? Right. What did you learn? Would you do it again? What's your overall experience? What are you feeling right now as you hand this over? As you kind of, you know, obviously you're starting something very exciting, very new with the leadership launchpad project, but like, what's going on with Rob? Yeah. Like, so I think there's a few things like, would I do it again? And like, like, absolutely. I think like the relationships that I've built by doing this podcast and like, well, I've always said when people ask me, like, why would you do this? Yeah. And I say, I say like, it gives you an excuse to talk to whoever you want. Like I never probably would have never talked to you, Blair. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Right. Even though we're, yeah. Like I, I probably would have, cause I'm kind of shy, but it's like when you have a podcast, you're like, Hey, do you want to come on the show? And yeah. like most people, like, honestly, like 90 plus percent of people say yes. And yeah, like it, the people yeah, like who say the no, reality was, we probably would have talked, but it would have been me trying to sell you something. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> whatever company I was with, like, right. I can, whatever I'm selling. <laughs> and yeah, like, it's like, it gives you an excuse to talk to people you never would have talked to. And like, I've always said this, I've said this a million times. It's like, I don't like reading reliability books. Yep. I think they're vastly dry. And like, if you want to learn, like, I want to hear stories. I want to ask the questions that I want to know the answer to. And I think like, I've had people like, like world, I mean, you, Steve, like we've had world-class experts on the show that wrote the books about whatever and they're willing to come on and talk about it. And you can really dive in, go deep about stuff. And I think like the final thing I just want to say is like, you're talking about sustainment. And like, for me, what I've noticed and like where we're going with the leadership launchpad project is like sustainment for me has been, or what I've learned from sustainment or from the mindset piece is it's mindset. It's like, we have a bunch of beliefs that we believe or how the world works based on before we were seven years old. Right. And those beliefs are what inform what choices we make and how we feel today. And it's like, if we can change the mindset of the people that we work with, it's going to change and it's sustainable. Like it's, if you can change the belief, they will behave this new way forever. And like what I've seen in my career is very much we have a fixed mindset problem because people don't believe that they can get better. And we very much have a fear-based leadership problem where people don't want to, they, they don't want to say that nothing is running perfectly to their manager because they believe that they'll get fired. Right. And like, that's where you have these people who are not reporting safety incidents. They're, they're misreporting maintenance. Like I've seen hundred percent schedule compliance when like, it doesn't make any sense. Like the worst, worst maintenance program in the world. And like, this is the kind of stuff that is happening out there. And like, we got to make it, we got to make it better. Good. But yeah, I didn't do this for financial reasons. If that's that's what you're saying, I spent a ton of time. (laughs) You know, it's just my gosh. And, and, and that's really, um, there's, there's two reasons and I'll let Steve jump in here. Why, why Steve and I teamed up when, when you were saying, Hey, I want to pass this on and kind of Steve and I put up our hands saying, yeah, we'd like to do this. And it, you know, it's just the, the amount of work and uh, it's just in- incredible. So, you know, I'm a ha- as a listener and, and now I guess a co-host to like to thank <laughs> you. And, and like, I don't think I could have 
and I, I actually don't say anything. I couldn't have done what you've been able to do. And that's why Steve and I coming together because we got to split this responsibility, right? Um, you're obviously 50,000 downloads. How many people come to listen to this on a daily basis? How many people come to your website? How many people come to the LinkedIn page, right? Um, you literally blew up the rate maintenance reliability community on LinkedIn with your memes. Right? <laughs> I think you broke, I think you broke the internet. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's those type of things that, uh, you know, I don't think any one person could, could, could jump in at this, like, it's like jumping off a diving board. You got to start small, right? Like Steve and I got, we got to split this up. We got to hold some hands and sing some Kumbaya so we can keep this going. <laughs> so maybe let's, let's turn it on you guys. So, Maybe tell us a little bit about like, where do you want to take this show? Steve, you yeah. go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess, you know, for me, like I said before, I, I really want to talk about that, getting things over the line and sustainment of those projects. Because for me, that's what I see is the, the hardest uh, aspect of, of maintenance and reliability and asset management in general today. Um, like everything we do always boils down to that question of, okay, now, how do we deploy this? Um, I've been talking to engineers, technicians all over the place, and they're, they call themselves reliability people. And then you've got this, you know, and, and I know Bob Latino loves to say maintenance and reliability, they're two different jobs. And he's absolutely right, they're two different jobs, but you still need to get to that deployment stage. And I keep seeing people want to push like reliability engineers saying, oh, I'm, I generate ideas or whatever like that and then push it off to a maintenance engineer to deploy but the reality is is you got to take responsibility for it all you got to get it all over the line yourself um and and so i really want to bring bring that conversation and i know you've done a lot of that conversation rob and i know that's also why the leadership launchpad project is kind of getting off the ground sorry for the terrible pun um but it's <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> and uh, so like you know looking at that there's always going to be that aspect of culture but you know what can we do to get it there and let's hear from the people that have gotten it over um but also the people that haven't because and they're the same people um i know i've had many projects that have died <laughs> in various stages um i'm sure there's a couple dying right now um <laughs> so it's you know, bringing that and bringing that conversation and really trying to improve people's experience within their jobs um, by actually accomplishing their goals. And that's, that's something I think I'm going to learn a tremendous about working with you on this, Steve, because if you were to have me talk about that, I would probably be one of the worst people to talk to, right? <laughs> um, right? I, you know, I, I do have some experience. I did start my career on the shop floor. I'm an industrial electrician by trade and then went to school and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the reality is I don't deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So I would be the biggest hypocrite of saying, yeah, if you want to get this salon, you need to address culture change. Like, come on, right? Who am I to say that? And then there you are doing it on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So for me, um, I, I'm, you know, my love of life is technology, right? I, I live and breathe it. Right. And it was actually who someone you've had on the, the podcast regularly, Cliff Williams, who I met early on in my career. Um, and, and there's a book that's not dry, by the way, uh, reliability of, of, with the uh, people's success story. Right. Yeah. Um, um, Cause it's written by Cliff who, <laughs> who quite the character, and we'll have definitely have him on the show. Right. It's taught me about the people aspect of it. So what I'm trying to do is balance the technology and people. Right. So, you know, I spent the last, uh, what would be, uh, 
11, 4, 15, 16, 16 years on technology, right? Uh, developing it, um, like pulls and patents, technology and, and like, everything, right? And technology, I think we're at a point now where I say this in some of my talks now is, and Steve, you mentioned it, there is with the advent of technology, there seems to be a solution to every problem we could ever have, right? And, but we, we still have problems, right? And I think what's interesting in the value that, uh, you know, I could bring is when we bring these technology people in is it's not, we don't just have one problem. We have a lot of problems. And, and I think what's great and what's happening in our industry right now, and it's only going to change is there's no one company that's going to own this technology ecosystem. You look at the, you know, the big five in our industry, I don't even know if there's five, right. But, you know, you start to picture those big companies that kind of try to do everything. Right. And, you know, they're either buying small companies up because they have better technology or these other technologies. And you've had a lot of them on their show, right? Some of these, you know, up and starts that come from incubators and things like that are starting to disrupt and fantastic. Right. I like seeing those big guys shake, but also like challenging those big companies to start thinking differently as well and innovating. And, and some of them are really adapting to it. Some of them aren't. Right. So I'm really looking forward to bringing the technology aspect of this from from AI, ML, IoT, augmented reality, anything digital and stuff like that. That's the one thing we haven't had on the show is augmented reality or virtual reality. I've oh, tried yeah. to get some, but I don't I don't have the right context. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some on and I've, I've here, I'll put on my, uh, where is my, oh, I can't find my headset right now. I got one right over here somewhere. My kids probably took it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and you know, it, it, to me, it's, it's augmented before virtual, but uh, yeah, there's stuff like that. And even crowdsourcing. And uh, there's, there's one company I know that's just killing it with crowdsourcing, like just stuff like that. Like how much of an impact can that have? Right. And I fully agree that technology cannot get it over the line, but it can be an accelerator. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I love about technology is that it's not linear adoption. And the analogy I give, and this, this, I relate this to artificial intelligence, machine learning, IOT, whatever it is. So, you know, we grew up, we're all relatively the same age. We kind of grew up with the first part. Well, I shouldn't say the first part because we're older now, but you know, the early onset of life, we didn't grow up with computers and things like that. It came later on, right? And typically high school or maybe a little bit before that, depending on our age, I might be dating myself here. Um, You're older but, than we are, Blair. Oh, uh, man. Let's just say it. So, so you were born with a phone in your hand, but I was not. I so, wasn't. You know, right? So my, my first typing class, you know, was, uh, yeah, I was in high school. So that goes to show you, right? Um, so, uh, you know, we grew up with time without it and the time with it, or I did at least. So, and here are my kids that are growing up now, they didn't have a time without this, right? They watch a commercial and they, their mind's blown. Like, why do I have to watch this, right? So if we want them to take advantage of what's happening out here and take advantage of technology, do we, should we force them to get dial up internet? You guys remember that? Right. And the phone rings and the internet drops out. No. Right. I think we have our new intro. <laughs> <laughs> our new intro music's right there. That's right. Yeah, I'll do that again if we need to re-record that, but uh, right? <laughs> not a linear adoption. And we see that in countries that didn't have you know, typically broadband internet because you just couldn't physically run wires like India, for example, right now, everyone has cell phones, one of the biggest cell phone networks in the world and with faster internet than we got here. Right. So there's, <laughs> And then we get shafted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a challenge. They skipped a whole generation of using land dial up internet and went right to 
you know, cell phones and things like that. Now everyone's connected. So I don't think because there is a certain level of technology, you have to have that foundation, right? But just because you didn't do, hey, I've never done this things doesn't mean you can't go and skip that. It's going to accelerate you to get over the line. And I think that's where I'm really looking forward to working with you, Blair. And like, uh, cause that, that is definitely where I'm weak on, like, you know, I, I'm that data pipeline side that, okay, you get technology. How do you make it work with uh, it? How do you get things through sure. it? You know, that's something I know a lot of people struggle with and myself yeah. included. And like, it's just a big black box for me right now. And uh, well, if something comes up like that, I'm like, all right, here you go. That's the challenge. And I'm sure you're not alone with that because, you know, this is the space I've grown up in. And it's funny when I start to do presentations or even internally at UE systems, I start to talk about our products and stuff like that. We can do this. And I start to see faces go, right. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. I spent 20 years in this space, right? <laughs> You guys are experts on maintenance, reliability, and predictive maintenance, right? So I think we can we can bridge that gap. And I think the the value, if we were going to sum it up, is just speaking in a common language as as practitioners on either side of the line, if you will, um, and 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 trying to bring some real conversations with value to to the audience. Love it, love it, love it. Now, Blair, you're still talking, so give us some plugs. Where can people find you? Um, so probably most active on LinkedIn. I have taken a little bit of a hiatus as as a I guess I have to work for a living. Um, so <laughs> we've got a new product coming out. So um, just a, yeah, a, a brief introduction. I'm the director of IoT at uh, UE Systems. Um, I also co-founded a artificial intelligent company called Cortic.ai. Um, and yeah, so reach out to me on, on, on LinkedIn, Blair Fraser on LinkedIn. Uh, my, my direct connect is this is your AI, all one word. And there's a reason for that. Once you start to follow me or you know me. Um, yeah, or or... You know, yeah, I'd say LinkedIn is the best way to reach out to me. <laughs> Steve, how about you? Yeah, same thing. Uh, LinkedIn is my best best spot as well. Um, just look up Stephen Doby, and uh, I think there might be a couple, but I'm the one in Canada, so I think there's only one of me there. <laughs> well, you're connected um, and, to me, and you're my only one. So if you need to, you can just there we go. <laughs> and yeah, so and, and like for you, for the listeners, and what you're getting into listening to. To, to me is uh, I'm a reliability engineer, have been for quite a few years. Um, I work for a mining company um, in a small town in Sparwood, BC uh, called Tech Resources. Um, and and yeah, like my whole job is, you know, trying to improve the haul truck fleet and, and getting projects to a point where we can uh, implement them and sustain them. So hopefully we can we can learn a little bit together and improve all our all our assets as we go. Love it. And yeah, for me, I mean, I won't be back next week, but uh, you can still email me, robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Or you can, if you want to contact also Blair and Steve, you can send me an email there and I'll, I'll, get, I'll get you in contact with them. Uh, but yeah, definitely follow me on LinkedIn. There's going to be some cool stuff coming uh, in the near future here. So definitely follow me because not only the Leadership Launchpad project, but I may have something else in the works too. So. This is exciting. I, I work way too hard, apparently. <laughs> so. Yeah, slow down, you overachiever. Come on. <laughs> Make us yeah. all look bad. That's yeah, right. Great. That's great. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully we'll have you on the, the episodes, uh, some some talks here, and you can you can come in every now and then, Rob. Absolutely. I would love to, and definitely definitely would love to. So, so yeah. So, I mean, I'll turn it over to you. You need a tag phrase to, to take us out. 
All right, Steve, that's you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. On the spot. Just empty silence. We'll see. Maybe I'll uh, shorten that up in the editing. <laughs> oh, no, keep it. I think I don't think we're going to have an entry, an exit point right now as we try to figure this out, and it's going to evolve over time. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out over time. <laughs> awesome, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Rob's Reliability Project. Thank you.